today on the Angry Catholic Show. We're going to tackle Sticka keeps sticking it to his flock. Our angry item of the day is Bishop Hubbard speaks some truth and no accountability, no change. Welcome. You're listening to The Angry Catholic Show. I'm Paul the Angry Catholic with my wife, Chris, and Chris O'Leary. Back in 2002, we were all told by the bishops that they were going to fix the abuse problem in the church. Well, in 2013, a priest that our family was close with was arrested in a car with a 15-year-old boy. Last year, Ed Locke, the music director of St. Nicholas Parish in Wilkes-Barre, was caught on video and text luring what he thought was a 15-year-old boy to his house at midnight. And our bishop never told the parishioners why he was removed from ministry. Last October, Father Lockney, who was the first seminarian Bishop Bambera ever ordained to the priesthood, was arrested for luring two minor boys to his house. Other than a general statement from the diocese, crickets. But the bishops continue to assure us that they have taken care of the problem. And yet, none of the bishops are investigating how this happened and continues to happen. Today, sexual abuse survivors are being re-abused by diocesan authorities who ignore and stonewall those seeking justice. If Catholics don't speak up and get involved, the message from a few can continue to be ignored by the bishops. So here we go. Uh, so first, I, I just want to thank Chris O'Leary for joining us. I know you've you've been with us a couple times on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. No, likewise. Thank, thank you. Now, for those that don't know Chris O'Leary, he recently has produced a podcast called Sacrificed. It's a podcast about the aftermath of the Catholic sex abuse crisis that picks up where the movie Spotlight left off, addressing and trying to answer the big question what happened next? So we came in with Sticka keeps sticking it to his flock. And I'll give you a little background. This seminarian who goes, his name is Wojciech. Am I saying that right? Wojciech? Yes. Yep. The seminarian down in the Diocese of Knoxville was actually kicked out of two seminaries prior to coming to Knoxville. And the vocations director in Knoxville would not even recommend him to discern a vocation in the diocese. And yet, Bishop Sticka helped this guy get a visa so he could, you know, stay and be, be in the seminary program in the Diocese of Knoxville. He lived with Sticka because no one else wanted him at the seminary. And then Bishop Sticka made this guy his executive secretary. And surprise, I'm sure anybody that doesn't know this story can just imagine. Now there's a lawsuit that accuses Wojciech, the seminarian, for assaulting and raping an organist in the diocese. So I won't even get into like the pillar article or anything. So I, I figured, Chris, you can help us fill in some of the, the blanks here. Well, well, y yeah. Or which Chris? <laughs> oh, that's right. Chris, Chris there's and Chris. There's two Chris. I, I meant Chris O'Leary, but obviously. Yeah, Chris, can you fill in? Because I was just going to say, Chris now in St. Louis, Bishop Sticka perhaps helped him 
now go try to attend St. Louis University. So you guys have him down in St. Louis right now, correct? Right. And I and let me and, and it's funny that you jumped in because I was going to compliment you with what you said at the University of Scranton and award you the term of broad, which is basically a woman who doesn't know when to keep her mouth shut, which is exactly what you are. You you are a woman who does not care what people say. You don't care what people are tell you to do. You are going to do the right thing. So Aww, you, thank you. You've earned that term broad. Thank you. You are, you are very much you are very much a broad. That's the highest compliment I can give you. Oh, I can use that. No, it's well, and it, it's funny, and I mean that completely. So, J.D. Flynn, a pillar Catholic, has done a great job of summing up what's going on in Knoxville. Corky Samasco of NBC uh, News has also written some pieces talking about the involvement, basically the Polish connection, the connection to Pope John Paul II and some of his things. I've been in the middle of the whole Knoxville thing. I have experience with Bishop Sticker from St. Louis. Uh, I went to him for help in 2018 and was basically psychologically abused by him. Mm. And and I, I know him by reputation from St. Louis. And as as Chris said, it's a it's it's actually it's an incredible, unconscionable story that that begs the question of what exactly has changed because you have this multi-accused abuser who's been thrown out of three seminaries now. First, there was the Jesuits in Europe. Then there's the one in Michigan or Chicago up north. Then he allegedly raped the organist. Then he was thrown out of another seminary. So you've got five or six sexual assaults in there. And instead of his being kicked out and shown his way back to Poland, he instead was sent to St. Louis University, and he's taking classes at St. Louis University, putting the gay community, the SLU community, the entire St. Louis community at risk. And, and what mm-hmm. it exposes is, is kind of the worst thing is, you know, while, the, while regular Catholics are having to do protecting God's children or virtuous or whatever you call it, which protects kids from the grandmother who wants to read to her class, mm-hmm. the fact is that I was abused by a priest. The people that I know who were also abused were abused by the maintenance guy and by the crossing guard. Those are not the guys who are being covered by this. And the worst part is, is that the case of Wojciech Sobczyk, the seminarian in Knoxville, Tennessee, who who's being protected by Bishop Rick Sticka, he makes the case and makes it clear that the rules don't apply to priests and seminarians still. Everything that's going on is still PR. Mm-hmm. The rules only apply at the bishop's discretion, and that's completely unconscionable and unacceptable. And while he's at the St. Louis University, and he's not like some 18-year-old co-ed, not that that would be okay if he was assaulting yeah, no, people he's then. In a, he's in his mid-20s because he's attacked so many people and been thrown out of so many places that he's only a, accumulated like one semester's worth of credit to the age of 25, 26. So you guys have him at St. Louis University putting these you know, different people at risk. And while he's at St. Louis University, he did get picked up by Bishop Sticka and Cardinal Regali, and they went on a 10-day road trip together, and they brought him. And I just had it verified today, they went and visited Cardinal Dolan. Yeah, they've got they've put photographs up on uh, Instagram or Facebook, and it's, uh, well, and the, and the Dolan-Stick connection is one that really bothers me, given, my, given the involvement of Cardinal Dolan in my case. Mm-hmm. You know, Cardinal Dolan knew what was going on in terms of my abuse. He abu- he overlapped with my abuser for two years from 77 to 79. 
So to see the connection between Dolan and Sticka, the connection between Knoxville and St. Louis and now New York is really hard for me to process. And it, and it really makes it difficult that, you know, when I and others have talked to the FBI, the fact that the, the federal authorities aren't getting more interested in this is really frustrating and really disturbing because you're now talking about a multi-state yeah. coordinated effort to protect sexual predators across state lines. I remember you either told me on the phone at some point or maybe I heard it in the podcast, your podcast, Sacrifice, but you actually went to the FBI. Yeah, I went to the FBI twice. What happened from that? Well, I mean, nothing happened from it. It's, it's so frustrating because, so, okay, so, so my reference to Spotlight, 20 years ago, all of my stuff was happening. March 3rd, 2002, a piece ran in the New York Times called Two Paths, No Easy Solution on Abuse of Priests. That drove, that's how I ended up talking to then Auxiliary Bishop, now Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who then told me that nothing happened, that it was impossible that anything could have happened. So, you know, so I just went on with my life thinking, hey, my friend Cardinal Dolan has given me a clean bill of health. And then, of course, I got sick as, I, as my kids started getting older. I started going back to first confession or taking them to confession and I started getting triggering and got, got sick and everything. And it's very frustrating to, to see that Cardinal Dolan was involved and, and has been rewarded for, for, for what he did to me and, uh, and to at least two other guys that I know. And it's, it's very raw for me. I'm getting triggered right now just thinking about what happened 20 years ago. You know, I'm in the same place that I was 20 years ago, thinking that I had dodged a bullet, but instead... If I if I had only known what was happening and why this was so difficult, and you know the whole spotlight thing is the spotlight thing and the Dallas Charter thing has has really achieved kind of remarkably little. So much of it was just PR and accomplished very little of substance when it comes to priests and seminarians. Well, and what you know what the Dallas Charter also did, which was a shame because it, obviously it exempted the bishops. It was written by Cardinal McCarrick, the pedophile. I, I mean, the whole thing is just so ridiculous. But the other thing the Dallas Charter did is it took any relationship or fatherly caring relationship that existed between a bishop and his priests, and it ended that. It made them adversaries and it put the priests kind of on alert and they had even a priest who's not a pedophile had now even less protection in his priesthood. And now looking back, less of an incentive to come forward and do the right thing as a priest because you could be hung out to dry. So it really only served to allow bishops to continue to cover up the corruption and what they were doing. It's such a shame. No, absolutely. And that's, and that's exactly what we're seeing and why we're seeing what we're seeing and, and why, you know, I get, I get comments about, you know, how so-and-so is a, a good and faithful priest. And I, I really, it really concerns me when I hear people saying that because too often the good and faithful priests are the ones who are swearing their allegiance to the bishops. You know, they are putting bishops before Christ. And that's why people like Father Mark White, Bob Holtz and the guys, you know, father or ex-father Tom Doyle, the guys who are standing up to and talking against the priest are, are really so remarkable because they're doing something that is incredibly difficult and that 99% of the priests out there will not do it. Instead, 
too many of the priests are keeping their mouths shut. They're not being broads. They're not following your example, Chris. That's right. <laughs> Go be abroad. Really quick, because I want to say one thing. You talked about how Bishop Sticka bullied and intimidated you. And psychologically, essentially, he psychologically abused you. And it's interesting because if you look, there was a um, Celeste Arnault was a victim and had a case settled in Knoxville. And she, too, was bullied and intimidated. So was Michael Boyd. There are, you know, this is a pattern with Bishop Sticka. And it's looking as if Cardinal Dolan, it's a pattern with him as well. You have the Anthony Gregorgia, I think is how we pronounce it, a seminarian who was very devout. And he, he alerted and kind of called out what was happening at the North American College, the harassment to his fellow seminarians. I'm like, wow, this is someone I want ordained who's actually going to speak up and care. And instead, he was, he's was he been tossed out. And he, too, has been bullied, intimidated, and psychologically abused by Cardinal Dolan and the like. So it seems to be there's a little click there with Cardinal Dolan, Bishop Sticka. And when someone comes before them to try to find out the truth or to share the truth, they get put through a psychological meat grinder, right? No, absolutely. And that's and there's a, there's a really fundamental problem with St. Louis and everyone who comes out of St. Louis. If you talk to Susan Vance, the SNAP leader in Tennessee, who mm-hmm. I've been working with closely uh, in Knoxville, she's 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 followed it and she's been pulling the thread. She's another broad. Uh, <laughs> and she is doing a heck of a job of of kind of pulling the thread and seeing who's connected. You know, this is Cardinal Laws involved in this. There's a really, really huge problem with the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and basically everyone who comes out of St. Louis is is tainted and is infected with these really terrible ideas, these terrible abusive ideas, the rationalization of the psychological abuse at a minimum of people, and the excusing of physical sexual abuse by 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 priests and other people. And I keep hearing these stories, you know, gang rapes. And, and and these are gang rakes that are participated in by people who are now archbishops. Yeah, there's been some awful stories. Now, do you know anything about, because I know this suit had charged, I think, stick it directly, that he knew about the sexual misconduct and failed to report the allegations. So, I mean, if that's, if that's true, this could stick to stick it, basically, right? Yeah, there's there are things that sure sound like obstruction. I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I'm not in law enforcement, but it there's a lot of stuff that sure sounds like obstruction. And and also, you know, people should look at the at the lawsuit. Uh you can find it by just googling Bishop Sticka lawsuit Knoxville. There are exhibits there that are that are basically smoking guns. It's really kind of absurd that they're fighting this as hard as they are and putting the survivor through what they are given the <laughs> given the exhibits within the lawsuit itself, within the complaint of the lawsuit, not to mention one o- line 107 of the lawsuit, which goes to the entire sex abuse crisis and starts to give what sounds like a justification or rationalization for the entire sex abuse crisis. People should really read the, read the complaint, because that gets into things I've talked about before, which is the program where I've found evidence, I've found a document on the website of my own parish, Mary Queen of Peace, Webster Groves, that's, that strongly suggests, if not proves, that as of the 1970s, the Archdiocese of St. Louis knew who the abusers were and were managing, if not protecting them, which goes to the opening scene of the movie Spotlight. 
they they knew who these people were mm-hmm. back in the 1970s, and I think that's part of what the dirty little secret is and why they're working so hard to protect Dolan and all the other guys who come out of St. Louis, because they knew a lot more than people want to believe or that, that has been previously revealed or revealed to date. You guys are breaking a lot of news. You know, nobody else wants to talk about the program. Sure. Uh, it's, it's too hard for them to believe. No, they knew. And this, and the really upsetting part is it is still going on today and they're still covering up and they still know. You know, in 2018 and 19, after this seminarian had been thrown out of already two seminaries for sexual misconduct and Bishop Sticka decided to bring him into his home and have him live with him and Cardinal Regali and their dogs that they put on their Christmas the card. They the call them the girls and the dogs that they had painted on the cathedral. Yeah. Um, when they decided to take this guy under their wing, they also had him teach at Knoxville Catholic High School freshmen and sophomores. There is such irresponsible, arrogant behavior and unfortunately, Bishop Sticka, I don't think, is the only bishop out there covering up and being so cavalier as to keep putting young people in harm's way. Absolutely. It's, it seems like it's part of the job description. <sighs> Chris, if you could just spend a second, because you, you mentioned the program again. I know we've talked about it on other shows, and, and we've talked about our own program here in our diocese. But could you just spend the last minute or so of the segment and just explain what the program is that you're talking about? So I found a document on the Mary Queen of Peace Webster Groves website that lists the four abusers who went through Mary Queen of Peace. Now, they made a mistake in putting that document together where they actually showed their service history. So you basically have four abusers, one of whom was in like the 50s or the 60s, but there are three of them back to back to back in the 70s. From 72 to 78, there's one abuser. Then from 78 to 81, there's another abuser. Then the third abuser, 81 to 82, is my abuser, Father Leroy Valentine. And you can find this document by Googling Mary Queen of Peace, Father Leroy Valentine. And it basically shows that, that they were running these guys back to back to back. And there were certain parishes, and this matches up with things that my dad told me and that my lawyers told me in terms of there were certain parishes within the Archdiocese of St. Louis where abusers were sent through, I don't know if it was to manage them, to protect them, to, to try to heal them or what, but again, this goes to the opening scene of the movie Spotlight, where, you know, there's collaboration and collusion between the archdiocese and law enforcement. You know, are they putting them in certain, in, in certain municipalities with friendly mayors or chiefs of police? It's hard to know, but it's, it's a very clear pattern, and this touches on Immaculata, my first parish, Mary Queen of Peace, my second parish, and actually the director, James Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, he was in a third parish, St. Joe Manchester, which is tied into the program. So this is a very organized, coordinated effort to manage, and I can only assume protect abusers within the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Well, and it's to protect the the Archdiocese, or they think protecting. You know, it's interesting you say that, because in Cincinnati, if you look at the different abusers, they put them in Catholic schools that were known to have very devout Orthodox families. I don't know, maybe helping they keep quiet. In L.A., Cardinal Mahoney put abusers in parishes where you had undocumented, a lot, a large population of undocumented Ugh. people. They, they can't say anything now, can they? 
New Orleans seems to take their abusers and ship them out to other dioceses. And I know the Diocese of Wilmington had one. And the Diocese of Scranton, I don't know the exact program. We don't seem to have a parish, but they seem to collect around certain priests and certain areas where those priests are as if they're somehow helping them or providing counseling, all the while keeping children not protected. And people would be shocked to find out the Look at abuse the web. at different parishes that has happened in our diocese. Yeah, and who um, the priests are that are always around. And and you can find Chris O'Leary and his podcast Sacrifice at chrisoleary.com or chrisoleary.com backslash sacrifice. And I have to tell you, I've, I've listened to, I think, every podcast you've done now because I just did the most recent one today. Uh, but it's it's. Every Catholic needs to listen to this. It is a a story about not only not only Chris's personal story, but really what has happened and what continues to happen to survivors. You can listen to us on KCRD-FM, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play, and Spotify, and find us, as always, at TheAngryCatholic.com. Send us an email to mail at theangrycatholic.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Listening to the Angry Catholic Show. I'm Paul, the Angry Catholic, with my wife Chris and Chris O'Leary. So, for our angry item of the day, we came in with Bishop Hubbard speaks some truth, and I I just wanted to start with he only did this because it was a deposition. Like there was no new information. This bishop, this Bishop Hubbard, did not the day before this hearing learn and remember that he had covered up i think that it was in the in the article it was like 11 priest abuse he covered up and he admitted to that in a deposition so for this segment it's mainly just to keep sharing with people that we know these guys know about this and we we have to keep sharing this information because it was a bishop, I guess it's emeritus, Howard J. Hubbard, made the admission during a deposition taken last year, and he admitted to, he didn't report child sex allegations made against 11 priests to police or fire. He said he didn't want to cause scandal to the church. Yeah. He didn't want to cause scandal to the church. Like, I don't know. I just wouldn't want kids raped. But this isn't, I don't think this is an outlier. I mean, we know oh, enough. Oh, of course not. This is, he just decided not to lie in a deposition. So, and so for every person, because we, those of us who are trying to talk and raise awareness and dear God, get, you know, some of this corruption brought to light so it gets out of this church and people stop getting hurt. You hear people, when you say something, though, well, I mean, do you know if he really covered up? Do you know if he really knew? And I, I mean, at this point, yes, these bishops knew. Well, they well th- knew. Th- this is how we know he's just a liar, though, because in the article that was the Associated Press by Alistair Talbot, for dailymail.com that's where this article came from but they say in here when asked why he didn't report the allegations to police hubbard said quote because i was not 
a mandated reporter. Mm. That, that I mean, that right there just shows you what liars these. Like, what does that have to do with any of this abuse? I know it's criminal. The it's criminal. So I'm going to watch so your house. Whole, oh. So much for the whole Jesus thing. I know, I know. 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 And and it's it's in the church. That's that's what makes it a hundred times worse. Yeah. And so much for honoring the legal system that your faith helped to build the foundation of. Oh, I I can't even. But Bishop Hubbard was in Albany. And then you had the bishop in Buffalo and the one in Rochester. They were like the three amigos. And they were just a, a hotbed for a lot of felt banners and ridiculousness arrogance looking down at people and and it turns out they were a hotbed of of children being sexually assaulted and they didn't they didn't they think didn't care. they flouted those rules as well and those are probably the most important right caring for people well and that's i don't understand i'm still trying to figure out the enabling justifications or rationalizations what exactly are they thinking that the life is like for a survivor do they think that Kids are young and they're resilient. You know, what is that abuse is no big deal? It's it's really kind of stunning to think about the the arrogance and the attitudes of these guys. Are they just pure sociopaths where they're incapable of thinking about what other people think? It it's 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 really stunning and you have to wonder if that's one of the reasons why some bishops turned down that appointment and why Hubbard was made a bishop at thirty seven because they couldn't find anyone else who would do and say that kind of stuff. I Yeah, I don't understand the enabling. But you even hear, I mean, I, I'll hear from faithful Catholics, priests, academics. They'll talk about wanting to have protected, you know, this idea of protecting the institution and protecting the liturgy and protecting the systems and all these things. And I think missing the whole point of it all is they don't even want to talk about it because we just want to protect. And what they're missing is, if as a Catholic, if you truly believe, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The Holy Spirit protects the church. We're here to protect the people. Like, we're supposed right. to protect right. each other. And the priests and the bishops are supposed to protect the actual living, breathing people in their flock. It's almost arrogant to think, that the Eucharist won't continue without you or that the faith won't continue without you and, and making sure you have your buildings and your church and making sure that the mass continues for thousands of years on this very altar. Like God will find an altar for you for goodness sake. We're, we're here to protect actual human beings. And it's almost like they don't get it. They're like this, the very least they're buying into a huge heresy Really, at the worst, they're helping perpetrate evil. Well, that's well said. Just like Scranton, just at the University of Scranton, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's, it's very upsetting because it's under the guise of having some strong belief in the Catholic Church. And I'm, I'm starting to feel like those, those people who don't want to look at the reality of what's happening in this corruption and try to protect people and stop it, are, are, are fooling themselves if they think they're protecting the Catholic Church or, or living out a real Catholic faith. Well, people do say, and, and we do hear from time to time, you know, what, what can we do? And we know there's a lot of Catholics out there that, that, that truly do want to do something and they really, they're paralyzed. It's just such a, a massive problem. And where do you start? Well, 
you want to share what what they can do this week? Susan Vance, who is really just does an incredible job researching and is an advocate for in Knoxville with SNAP. She has a website called rememberthesurvivors.com. And on there, she has a ma- major complaint. She has put together a Vos Estes complaint against Bishop Sticka that she's going to be sending to the Pope and all different people in, in the Vatican and the United States bishops as well. And what she's asking, though, that people could do is go under the complaint and print out the first four pages and write a letter with those first four pages and send it to the head of the Congregation of Bishops at the Vatican, Cardinal Ouellette. And if enough people maybe send, maybe there'll be some pressure and maybe something will happen. But it's something we can do to try to see some some accountability and some actions against Bishop Sticka, who's flouting the rules of the church. And I will have that in the show notes. If you're concerned about these issues, it's very important for us to share this information. Chris and I, along with a group of supporters, publish this show and want to ask for your help by sharing it. Email it, post it on social media, text it, or just tell somebody about it. You can be sure if you don't, then nothing will change. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Angry Catholic Show. I'm Paul, The Angry Catholic, with my wife, Chris, and Chris O'Leary. So, for our final segment, I want to start out a little different, maybe with a little bit of encouragement before we get into the segment, you know, talking about no accountability, no change. But there are many people, and we're becoming aware of many more, and some of these people we've met and we've got to know, but Chris O'Leary in St. Louis, he's working hard on exposing what's gone on, what's going on. And I just wanted to go down a little list of the people that we've come in contact with or we know of, but it's encouraging because more people are awakening to, to what has happened and what continues to happen in the church because we want it gone. So you have Lay D.O.B. with Jennifer Kane up in the Buffalo Diocese. We have Richard Winman, who, who recently has started the SCSA to help survivors, and they're, they're banging the drum, and they're actually involved in changing legislation and, and lawsuits. We have Joseph Chiambra out on the West Coast. He keeps beating the same drum. Roman Catholic Faithful, rcf.org, with Stephen Brady. We have the Society of St. Peter Damien. That's Quinn A. Bear. We have up in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Concerned Catholics of Cincinnati with Teresa Dinwiddie Herman. We have the Gaylord Watch, and we don't know those folks, but we've read some of the yeah, articles on the website. Yeah, they good education about the Diocese of Gaylord, we keeping have it on. Cleanthechurch.com. They have uh, They're the, in an L- LA. Yeah, they just did the a West whole Coast. expose yep. of Archbishop Gomez in LA getting the truth out. Uh, we have Michael Bauman, uh, off, off My Knees blog. Yeah, oh, he writes so well. Yep, it's excellent. So, so well, and he articulates. Uh, we know, have Kevin Koselniak up in the Buffalo area with the Buffalo Survivors Group. And Chris O'Leary had mentioned Awake Milwaukee. 
a, mm-hmm. a, a group that's doing the same thing. And of course, we have someone yep. that we're very familiar with, uh, Christine Niles at Church Militant, who keeps digging and digging and digging. And she's the one that puts these reports out on churchmilitant.com. So, you know, that that is it's encouraging to and see. And I'm sure the numbers. we've forgotten. Oh, I'm sure there's, there's, yeah, more, yeah, there's, there's more, there's more, there's more we've forgotten. There's definitely and if you, groups. And if you know of groups up. like these, feel free to reach out to them and share that information with us just so we know who's who's out there trying to make a difference. So so now for for a segment, the the whole idea we, we had ta- I talked to Chris earlier and The question is why things have not changed. And we talked about basically it's a a lack of accountability. And we know this right here in our diocese. I mean, I don't know how much more. I mean, we've had billboards flying. We've, you know, we've done the social media advertising. We talked to everybody we can even think of about this. We've written letters to our bishop, but there is zero accountability with our bishop. Nothing. Uh, Kristen refers to it as he's like Teflon. Nothing sticks to this guy. I mean, we have court documents. We, we've, there's, there's no doubt about the information that we've received and that we've put out on, on our show, but, but there's no accountability. Well, if, if I can jump in for, with one word that I've used when I've given my talks with Father Mark White, it's enabling. One of, the, you know, one of the problems with what's going on within the Catholic Church and within the laity in particular is enabling, where people think they're helping the Church by keeping things quiet, but in fact, what they're actually doing is they're they're really doing the work of Satan by keeping their mouths shut. Mm-hmm. It, and if you don't understand what enabling is, it comes out of the world of alcoholism, and it's basically, you know, in trying to help someone, you actually hurt someone more. And that's that's almost exactly, pretty much exactly what I'm seeing going on within the Catholic Church. So you know, it's it's the enabling has to first be recognized and then then be ended if anything is going to change. When you talk about enabling, some of the enabling, I don't think people realize what they're doing is parents. Parents are still sending their kids to Catholic schools. In Knoxville, for instance, you had your bishop bring a guy in to teach juniors and or um, freshmen and sophomores who had already been kicked out of two different seminaries for sexual misconduct. And the bishop puts him in to your kid's school and the parents aren't going nuts and wanting the bishop's no, and that's, head. Right. No. And, and that's, and that really is the problem. And it's, it's really, it's really stunning what's going on. You know, the, the difference between Buffalo and Knoxville really fundamentally comes down to the parents uh, and the laity and People like Susan Vance, you know, Susan Vance isn't a survivor. Her kids were fine, but, but she saw this happening, found mm-hmm. it to be unacceptable. You know, you guys are the same. You had some, you had some you know, close encounters, but it's not like you are directly affected by a survivor. But what you're doing is you're doing the right thing rather than the vast majority of what Catholics are doing. And there's so much fear going on within the, the parents, the laity, within the diocese of Knoxville, and some of it is because Bishop Sticker really is a bully, and I've talked about psychological abuse, and I know what he's, did, he's done to me. I can't imagine some of the other stuff that he's done to other people. But, well, and I'd be interested in, you know, how you guys are able to withstand, manage, do what you're doing, because I'm sure it can't be easy. There have to be awkward conversations. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're not the most popular people in the world, but really, you know, fundamentally, for change to happen, 
it has to come down to the laity, and some of it comes down to money, plain and simple. If, if you if you confront your bishop and make it clear that this isn't acceptable, that money is going to be affected, that's one way to get their attention. Some of it is using the power that you have as a Catholic, but I'm, I'm interested in, in what you guys are doing and how you're doing it and how, you know, kind of the example you can set for other people. And I, I really appreciate the example you're setting because that, to a large degree, is the difference between Knoxville and Buffalo is that people are keeping their mouths shut in Knoxville, and I'm not sure what to do to help them speak up and speak out. I think what we're finding is that until somebody has a personal connection, and it doesn't have, and I'm not talking about your your daughter or your son or your, your neighbor actually gets sexually abused. I'm just saying some kind of personal connection where the light bulb goes off, you know, they're not going to, they're in, they're in denial. You know, they, they think this is, this is not a reality in their parish or their priest or in, in their community. And unfortunately it, it is. And our whole idea is, is if we keep sharing these stories, if we keep having survivors come and tell their story, if they go to, and I can't say it enough, and I'm not just doing this because Chris is with us today, but it literally is, it's so well done. Everybody should listen to this Sacrifice podcast. It is an excellent in the way you present your story and you share this, uh, and it really, it, well, and, it connects. And one, and one thing, one point I should make for people that I do try to do, I don't get into the worst stuff. Correct. And I think people are afraid of the worst stuff, but I try to stay at a 30,000-foot level or if, where I am lower level so people understand how what happened happened. I then jump way up high so that people aren't grossed out, so people can kind of understand what the process looks, looks like, but I don't get into the really horrible, nasty, terrible stuff. I read a, a book by Lee Poodles, and he was an FBI investigator, and oh gosh, the title is escaping me. It's by Lee Poodles, and he talks and he he tried to investigate and really go back into the the start of all this abuse in the church. And he said it was really hard to read the accounts and to write about it. And he thought about kind of sanitizing it a little bit. And then he said, you know what? I thought if somebody could go through this then I can darn well write about it and people can read about it and see the reality. And it hit me because it was hard to read. But you thought, you know what? Like as hard as this is to hear about, as hard as this is to read, there was a human being that had to go through it. Well, and it, yeah, if, if I can, so let me mention another word to, to that point, which is one of the reasons why aren't things getting better? Well, after World War II, Hitler and the Nazis, there was the process of denazification where the Nazis, everybody who benefited from that, who helped run that regime, was run out of basically civil society. They, you know, they were digging ditches for the rest of their life. One of the problems with the Catholic Church is there's no parallel effort of denazification. And I know that Nazis is a strong word, but when you're systematically destroying hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of lives, I think the word Nazi starts to apply. And there was mm-hmm. no parallel effort of denazification within the Catholic Church. Instead, people like Timothy Cardinal Dolan, who I knew as Father Dolan, then Bishop Dolan, they were rewarded for what mm-hmm. they did because they were doing their jobs. And, and if you see me so 
tweet about this stuff, I will often say they were just following orders, which is a very deliberate parallel to the Nazi era and what the Nazis did and what the defense of the Nazis were. You know, yes, I'm sure that's the defense of a lot of the members of the Catholic hierarchy, starting with Dolan and some of the others, but just following order orders was no defense then and it's no defense now. Well, that is in fact, that is the defense that Bishop Bambera gives. These weren't my decisions to make. These weren't my decisions to make. You put Father Gibson back into a parish where he could start to groom, even though you know he had a major history of raping boys. And, well, these weren't my decisions to make. Forgetting free will, I, I, it just... Well, that that's why them being, you know, this persona of them being godly men is such a sham. Because you can't do that. It, it doesn't mix. You can't have come in to the priesthood and rise to the ranks and become a bishop for the right reason and behave this way. It's not possible. Well, and I can, I can only hope that, the, that understanding that can help people stand up to and face their bishops. You know, it can help people shake off some of the intimidation. Remember, these, these guys, their job is the preservation of the Church, and they take an oath to do anything required to that. You know, a lot of the Jesus stuff, the whole Jesus thing, stops at the level of the priest. These bishops are, I mean, it, from, the, from their behavior, you can see that a lot of the Jesus stuff doesn't apply they're solely about the institution and the collection of bishops. And, you know, why would you, why would you get overly impressed or swayed by someone who's only working to maintain the institution, the hierarchy, the power structure? But, but see, I think, I think that means the Jesus thing, as you call it, wasn't there to begin with. You <laughs> know what I mean? You don't, you don't all of a sudden get appointed to Monsignor title, or actually really it starts at the vocation. It's some, for some reason, the vocation director in that office, we see commonly that this garbage goes on. So you don't all of a sudden you get that position and go, Oh, well, for, forget that. And now it's time to change. It, it means these guys, I'm telling, I think a lot of these guys got in this for the wrong reason. They're not who you think they are. They're leaving, they're living dual lives by, by weekend or Sunday mass. They throw on the vestments they're doing their thing and then all of a sudden monday tuesday come around and they're and who knows what they're doing but it but it sure isn't you know they're not in adoration of the blessed sacrament all week and go out and do this just not happening well and it's it's funny that you talk about vocation directors because i one of my worst stories is with the vocation director basically we had a parish here in st louis st mary magdalene that had kind of a rebel alliance an underground group of people who were survivor sympathetic and that that pastor was replaced, I suspect, because he was too survivor-friendly and was replaced by the vocation director of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I tweeted at that guy, the, arch, the vocation director for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and basically said, St. Mary Magdalene is survivor-friendly. Please keep doing what you're doing. And he blocked me on Twitter. Wow. Well, we uh, for some reason, Scranton likes to have vocation directors or assistant vocation directors who end up then turning out to have predatory problems. I mean, our, one of our most notorious guys after 2002, Father Ali Baratori, was the vocations director. Father Gregory Lockney, who, the new guy was, a, yeah, who was just arrested, yep. trying to get what he thought were like two 16-year-old boys to come to his house and do disgusting things to them. Oh, the texts, once again, he, were just he unbelievable. Was, 
He was the assistant vocations director, and he got to run a group with boys who were discerning and love the faith at a high school. And they all just happened to be 15, 16 year yeah. olds, and that's who he got nabbed with trying to get to his house. So, I, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's interesting speaking about the program and the patterns. You know, sometimes it's the vocation directors, it's also the vicar for priests, and the vicar for priests are the ones who are in on the secret. They know who mm-hmm. the bad priests are, and I wonder if that's a test. You know, I'm just I'm I'm interested in these patterns, and it sounds like in your in your diocese, it's the vacation director, it's that in St. Louis, but it's also the vicar for priests. But that's where these really bad guys, you know, these future bishops, the guys who establish their ability to keep their mouths shut, that seems to be where they're identified and trained and filtered through. So that's you know that's a place for people to start watching out for people passing through that position is being sure. potentially problematic. Sure. So well, Bishop Copage was the vicar of clergy, and he. He helped to recommend Father Ali Baratore, knowing that there were concerns. I mean, they had already banned him from being on seminary grounds, but they gave him an endowed chair, even though there were concerns and people had talked to him about what was going on with a a 16-year-old boy and that could possibly be abuse. He gave him an endowed chair and recommended, along with Bishop Bambara, to have him teach at the University of Scranton, where he went on to abuse the boy and two other people. And yeah, he was the vicar of clergy in Scranton, and now he's Bishop Copage. So yeah, there's there there are different there are definite patterns in these dioceses, and people need to, to look out for those patterns. And these are the same patterns of the seventies and the eighties, and nothing has changed because because nothing has changed. Nobody's nobody's changing. There's no accountability. Why do you think anything's going to change if nothing has changed? Well, you know what? It's funny you say that because it hit me just a couple months ago. I was getting frustrated, like, "Gosh, nothing's going to change. What's <laughs> going to happen?" And then all of a sudden, it hit me. We we're so naive. I, I and I'll say I'm one of the most naive people walking down the pike. I'm so naive, and it takes me a while. I'm a slow learner. Like, why did I think that those people who could turn a blind eye, or in some cases facilitate child rape, why did I think that they could suddenly change and and create a a, a great environment and be transparent and Fix the problem. Yeah, like why on earth did I think they were the ones who could do that? I I, I don't even know why I I bought that, but I did, but I don't buy it anymore. Well, and, and good for you because Cardinal Dolan is playing that game and has been playing that game, and it's he's he's putting thousands of people at risk because he's got thousands he's got a thousand priests under his command, and you know stick as stick as smaller beans. He's only got a hundred guys, but it's people have to recognize exactly what and who they're dealing with. And fundamentally it's Satan. And I, and I, I'll make that point. This isn't about the, this isn't about the church necessarily. It's not about God. This is about Satan. This is, this is the prime target for Satan. And I do absolutely believe that this is a war between Satan and the faith of faithful people. And we've traced the call and Satan is calling from inside the Catholic church. That doesn't mean he's going to win, but it's a it's a hell of a battle, and the battle has to be fought. You have to recognize the need for the existence of the battle, first and foremost. Well, I don't think Catholics can wrestle or digest with the idea that they're either their cardinal, their archbishop, their bishop, their pastor could even do anything like this. Like I, I think people have a difficult time making that jump, and that would somehow diminish the faith or their faith or something like that. Well, and we also are into celebrities. 
you know, we're in such an age that we have celebrity priests, we have celebrity pastors in our own diocese, we have celebrity bishops, we have all these things, oh, oh, as and Catholics, we have celebrity we've, popes. We've made our saint right. We've made even our saints, you know, the, the image of some of the saints in this. I mean, they were regular people like everybody else. They tried a lot harder. Than we did, that's right. You know. But because even... But I will, go ahead. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a passage that I, that I didn't understand at first, which is, be wise as serpents. I, I don't know if Jesus said that or Paul said that, but, but that really kind of blew me away when I first heard it because it was so cynical, I didn't understand it. But be wise as serpents is something that constantly runs, runs through my mind because that, I think that really is a warning about the present moment and how that kind of stuff can happen. Be wise as serpents because that's who and what you're dealing with. All right, you can find Chris O'Leary at chrisoleary.com. Thank you for listening to The Angry Catholic Show. Send us an email to mail at theangrycatholic.com. Don't forget to share this show any way you can. I want to thank all the listeners who sent emails this week. Thank you, Chris. And a special thanks to Chris O'Leary. Stay active, stay alert, and stay angry. This has been a production of Dumb Ox Media, Inc., all rights reserved.